All right. So basically we're going to the question is fear a hindrance? Or is it more than that? Mm. Or is it really more than that and not hindrance? And the answer mm -hmm. would be that uh, that it is more than that, a lot more. In fact, fear is the basic foundation no fear or a feeling it's the bottom line why is that is because that's the job of the self-preservation instinct the job of the self-preservation instinct is to preserve the self and the way that we do that is by communicating electromagnetically in the body through a set of chemical releases that in our language we call fear but it's merely stuff that's happening in the body. Now, how we deal with that fear, there's a wide variety of ways that we deal with the fear. But one of the ways that people will deal with fear is by anger. Hmm. And the fear comes from the fact that they either see something that they don't understand, leading them to confusion, or they see something that they don't like. And then they have the fear of loss, and in either case, anger will be the solution. That's the fight. Or the, one of the other solutions is um, to try to escape from it somehow. And we can do that in other ways. We can escape from the fear uh, in the sense of um, ignoring it or trying to put a lid on it. Except that then it'll come out in other ways. One of the ways it'll come out is anxiety hmm. or tension or stress. And it can even come out strong when it's there strongly. It can come out in nervous behavior. And so your anxiety is right here in public. Yeah, <laughs> it's can, like. You don't have to tell me you've got it. I can see it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like fear of the fear, right? Fear of even acknowledging fear, right? Even acknowledging that it is fear can be terrifying. Hmm. Acknowledging that, hey, my only real problem is the fact that I'm afraid. Now, in that regard, they say, uh, especially in military situations, that everyone is afraid and what bravery is, is bravery is going into battle when you're full, full of fear, hmm. but you go and you do it anyway because of duty calls or patriotism or just dumb luck or maybe stupidity. Because people need to listen to that kind of fear. The fear mm -hmm. of going into battle means don't go into battle. <laughs> yeah. And I mean that. Not in the uh, Middle, Middle Ages version of two armies coming together, nor do I even mean World War II kind of battle. I'm talking about the household battle. Uh -huh. The kind of things when we go into battle with people when there is no reason to, which is the anger. We get angry and then we uh, uh, go off and do battle. But underlying that anger is fear. But we don't want to be afraid. We want to be strong and powerful, so we're off to battle. Mm -hmm. And so that's, a, that's one of the ways of escaping fear. Yeah. I'm... But the other one is the fight. Not just the fight, but there is also the flight, where people will slink away 
uh, and be cowered by the fear so that they become the victim. Oh, please help. Please help me. I, I can't do it on my own. And so uh, that brings up a kind of anxiety in the sense, well, where can I get help? And so now we're kind of actively, frantically looking for how I can get myself out of this state that, I, hmm. that I'm in. Interesting. So, so we would classify this as a flight response, like even asking for help? Right. As a, right. That's uh -huh. what agitation and anxiety and um, restlessness. It's, it's that flight syndrome, trying to get out of this moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Once the fight syndrome the other one is the flight and so we're trying to get away from it but wisdom will show us if you look closely there is nothing to fear let's look at something and recognize that this is really not a fearful situation down boy everything is cool and so now we don't have to go through the fight or the flight or the beginning of the freeze and just have a nice life hmm. because it's not dangerous but we are in the habit of doing those things because we started doing them when we were in childhood but this is actually in a way post-traumatic stress disorder yes in the way that every child is stressed out and then we grow up uh, uh remembering that sometimes to the point of it becoming a disorder. So post-traumatic stress is what they mean by that, and we all have it. And I, I even feel it in a very literal way, because sometimes during meditation, when I increase my level of energy, the shaking starts, which is reaction to the freeze and PTSD, basically. So it's like almost physiologically the same as, as PTSD. They, they, they're the body, just the body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, basically, the way that most people live their lives is in, in the avoidance of all of these sensations and feelings. But now that we're sitting down to practice and in, in, uh, pr bringing sati up to remember to look at what's going on, and oftentimes we don't like what we see. <laughs> We don't like it much, okay? But that's an opportunity because uh, if we don't like what we see, that means that we recognize dukkha immediately. A lot of people are slow. A lot of people don't recognize that what they what they see is dukkha, and so they kind of get used to it. But now that we're waking up, we're going to wake up to see a lot of stuff that we used to try to hide from or avoid. But uh, that does not mean that all that means I've got to give myself over to it like a sacrifice. Mm. To give to it. No, we recognize it and then we deal with it like a mercenary, like a professional. <laughs> what do I mean by that? I mean that we throw the darn stuff out. I can feel good in this moment, just watch. And in fact, uh, the whole point is that when we see this stuff that we don't like, should be actually the celebration itself. 
why? Because darn it, I can see you. <laughs> I see you now. All of this stuff that I've been hiding from and not wanting to look at now is right out in the open and I can see it. And the only way we're ever going to be able to deal with it is by seeing it clearly. All right. So in that case, going to that example of that when you begin to breathe deeply, you begin to feel tightness. The answer to that is to breathe even a little more into that tightness and then relax. And then on the next in breath, when you get to that tight point, breathe a little into that tightness again and then relax. And you'll see how easy that stuff is to deal with that way. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the way I am breathing sometimes actually exacerbates the, the stress because it feels like it's initiated by from the tension in the head versus like here. Uh, well, so if it's more complicated than that, then let's go into it a bit. Mm -hmm. All right. And that is, is that any tension in the head is not tension that is caused by thought forms themselves. The inside of the brain has very few neuron receptors that, that feel pain. That's why people can have giant tumors in the head and they don't know it. They're mm. just going crazy in the sense that they don't have a headache. But headaches themselves are generally not inside the head. It's the head that hurts. And what that means, it's the skin and the capillaries and right. the blood system Fascia. and the hair follicles and all of the stuff that's outside the skull that gives the pain and the tension. Hmm. Okay. Well, we know already that, um, that the capillaries, when they tighten up, that that constricts blood flow. So if the heart is pumping directly into the head, but that the, drain, the blood cannot drain back down, that's going to cause pressure, sometimes headaches or tensions or sometimes tightness in the face and other things like that. It can also raise the, the tension in the shoulders and things like that so that we get all tense and tightened up physically as a, um, as a response to the underlying feelings and emotions that kick that stuff off, which we can generally get down to fear. That the reason we tense up like that, a good example is in fact the, uh, the lion and the lion's mane. Why does yeah, a big male mm -hmm. lion have a mane? Why does he have a mane? What's that mane for? Why didn't they naturally select so that male lions don't have that mane? Female lions don't have it. Mm. Ah, but when you recognize, oh, when uh, lions take down prey, they'll jump on top of it to slow it down. But when they go in for the kill, where do they go? Actually, it's on this side. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, they go after the juggler. They go to cut that flow off, which means that animals that have heavily protected necks are more than likely going to survive. And that when lions fight with each other for dominance of the pride, they want protection. The dude that's got the heaviest mane will more than likely be the one who survives the lion attack. So that's why manes have gotten quite, uh, um, let us say, selective. 
in male lions. The guys who've got the bigger manes are the ones who generally get, win the fight. Mm -hmm. So now we're beginning to understand biologically and um, uh, in our DNA, there is a lot going on with the neck. Because it's a vital place, and we know it's been vital because uh, just selection has, has done it. So that the, the neck area is, is the most vulnerable part of the body. So when we feel uh, under threat in any way, we have a natural tendency at a biological level mm -hmm. to tense up. So what you can do when you're taking that out breath, I use the word relax. When I say relax, I mean relax as if you're relaxing the whole body, the whole neck area. You can actually give yourself a massage with the thoughts of relax, baby, relax. And let all of that juice that's keeping that tension there relax back into the bloodstream so that it then can be breathed out. Hmm. Okay. I, well, I, I wanted to ask you also about one more thing. So the... Uh... So there's a short moment of withholding the breath, both at the end of the in-breath and uh, at the end of the out-breath. And the, the alternative is when sometimes I try to do it consciously to have like fully circular breathing where was no stopping. And then these muscles, because normally I do, I engage these muscles to like stop the breath, uh, like literally at the end and, and at the beginning, which gives the, the mind perception that actually this part is doing the breath rather than the uh you know abdomen uh it's it's literally as uh, as if my mind thinks that that i'm breathing with my throat uh right um so it's it's like a persistent perception which which doesn't help right because there's more work than involved um, all right so you've got the key to that and that is change your your place of and your type of uh focus hmm in this case, I wouldn't use the word perception, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm. All right. That uh, in the sutta, it actually talks about experiencing the whole body. And what we mean by that is, uh, here you are talking about that you actually are now spending perhaps too much time on the neck. Oh, yes. And that you should actually spend more time wa watching what's happening in other parts of the body and kind of ignore that so that you can make sure that you're breathing a nice deep in-breath, that you watch the belly rise and fall, and that you can see the, uh, the chest coming up and down. That if you're breathing really deeply, actually the shoulders will come up by themselves because of the lungs uh, uh, completely filling up. Hmm. And so a natural part of the breathing will be some shoulder movement, and that's basically what we need to do is to get things moving in there because there seems to be some sort of blockage or tension. And so when, when we're doing this, think of it as a rhythmic massage that you're giving your body, mm -hmm. mentally and physically. Even if you want to think of it physically, you can rub your shoulder. You can say, relax, boy, relax, okay? Pay really close attention. This idea of sitting very straight or doing meditation like that, I don't know where the Westerners got that idea. Because really what we want to do is be in a very natural place of complete satisfaction. Hmm. 
And so allow yourself to go into a state of satisfaction. You can almost think of it as an, uh, uh, a pet, a dog that's barking. And you can say, down boy, down, down boy. Take it easy. Tell yourself that everything is okay. That there is no thing that is fearful. And you can get out of the habit of uh, the fear. It's a habit. Sometimes it's subtle and you don't even know it. But you can, it uh, sometimes gets strong enough to where it can be seen in our behavior where other people can't, uh, excuse me, other people can see it. But mm. we can't see it ourselves, but we feel it on the inside, but we don't recognize how much it affects our movements and our behaviors. Mm. That's especially true with the hands and moving the hands and arms. Mm. So it. So in your case, what I would recommend is begin in the process of this knowing the body is to start watching what your hands and, and your arms, especially the hands, what they're doing. Are they doing things that are uh, part of the reaction of the sensations and the feelings? Or are they doing something that really causes a habit? Or are they doing th things that would be an activity like taking a screwdriver and taking the screw out would be an activity. But twisting our hand like that without the screw and the screwdriver, and now that's something to be looked at. Why does the hand keep doing that? All right. But mm -hmm. uh, that's a simple thing uh, as an example. But the question is, begin to look at what the hands are doing because the hands will help us understand what we're feeling and what are the motivations. In other words... Can you just sit with your hands relaxed? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, people are such that they can stay relaxed when they're when they're listening to someone, but when yes. they're talking, they get excited, and now the hands are all over this place, especially if they're Italian. <laughs> but even in meditation, you know, I I can relax better even if I listen to Dhamma talk or your discussion. But when when then I uh, remain alone then you know the kind of uh what was the the, the parent ego state or however you call it right the 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 attack begins on on, on myself right uh when when there's no like connection and there's this harshness um yeah and then it's uh, much more difficult because it's much less tangible right i i can't see it so that's why i i do most of uh, like meditation when walking actually because then i can there's more balance, right? Uh, it's so, you know, the, the, the whole mood, it's so sneaky that it's hard to see, uh, hard to notice it basically, right? And, and then it's... Uh... All right. I highly recommend walking meditation, mm -hmm. but I recommend it be done barefoot. Mm -hmm. Why? Because when you're barefoot, you got to watch where you're going. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole Dhamma, mm -hmm. is to watch where you're going. So if we can watch where our feet are going, we can figure out how to way to watch where the mind is going too. Hmm. And so doing walking meditation uh, is a good, good uh, practice to stay focused in the here now, mm -hmm. especially if you're walking in areas that are, let us say, not overly agreeable to walking mm. barefoot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Achan Po intentionally took us into areas of gravel so that we would have to learn to walk on the gravel. Mm-hmm. Watch where we're going, find the sweet spot, and put our step there. That's the way to go. So um, learning how to walk barefoot, but we can do the same thing literally with the hands and start to watch what the hands are doing even when we're not out in, in walking meditation. Mm. Look for the shifts of the body. Look for bodily changes. What is driving all of that uh, movement? Is it feeling? Because if we feel really secure, then we'll be relaxed. The body will be relaxed, which is part of the process of relaxing the body and letting go of the, of the unwholesome thoughts and enjoy the moment. Yeah, I, I think I, I can feel the fear. It took me a while to see that basically everything I'm doing is driven by fear. But uh, you know what helped me even on this mini retreat is to like, and this is what I wanted to ask you as well, to uh, intentionally bring up the stuff that's going to happen in the future and like welcome it, like face it in a way. But, you know, because so, okay, so that's, that's, let me ask more basic question about repression. So repression is something that basically kind of is not, it, we, it's that the concept doesn't exist basically in Buddhism, right? Because we replace unwholesome with, with wholesome. But what if I am, you know, it's not, what if, like, yeah, the... Yes, my, exactly. Okay. So let me talk a minute while you're formulating your question okay. in that regard. Um, repression um, was a, a major issue in psychotherapy back in the early 1970s. And a whole mm-hmm. industry grew up around the concept of letting our feelings out. Mm. And that yeah. uh, this came to... Uh, pillow bashing and um, uh, Fritz Perls had uh, the empty chair that we would talk to and in encounter groups that got to the point of having batons and uh, uh, big um, heavily padded boxing gloves and other equipment like that. I've done it what, even, yeah. What they found out with that was is that if you bring those kind of feelings up in therapy, there they are. And you might take them home. You might take those feelings home that it would, in fact, if, if you're talking about repressed, they may be better repressed. If why, why let that stuff out? Now, let's look mm-hmm. at it from this position. Let us say that uh, uh, you were really angry about something that was happening over there, and your friend sitting beside you knew that, and he was telling you, calm down, don't go, don't get into that fight. And so the guy decides he's not going to go get into the fight, but he sits there and continues to fume. Now, he's the one that's repressing. It's because he's continuing to fume about it, but he's not doing anything about it. Mm. What we're doing is completely different. We're not just sitting here and fuming and not doing something about it. We're working on the fuming directly. We're not Mm -hmm. nurturing we're not keeping it going. We're taking a look at it and we're recognizing, oh, this is coming from fear and it's coming from I don't like what's going on. 
and I can really sit here and be happy because I'm going to sit here anyway. Because I'm not going to get into that fight. Why should I sit here and pretend in my mind that I'm in that fight? What if, you know, without trying to express it, I will, you know, some people are like overly and dishonestly polite and are lack of, don't have like... They're uh, not being honest. You're yes. saying that they're not being honest. Right. What we're talking about is getting things cleaned out so that you can be nice honestly. Mm -hmm. We're But not sometimes going to be dishonest. We're not going to say I'm going to repress and not let you know how much I hate you mm -hmm. and tell you I love you. That I'm actually going to give up the hate itself. Be free from that. And now our relationship is clean. It's not a lie. How about because I, I uh, how about feeling the fear in the whole body? Uh, what would you say that this is also like nurturing the fear? Because sometimes the fear, like if we repress something, the mind is has been training for the its whole life not to feel the underlying emotion, right? So 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 isn't the first step to actually feel the fear, you know, to to really yes, really see as, that it's there? And as soon as you recognize it, as soon as you see it, why will continue to wallow in it? So the risk in my case is that any any attempt to replace it will actually be using the same circuit that I've been using to push it away, right? To to replace it with some some uh, happy hope hope like hope of something happy happening, right? So where how do I balance That's these not two? It. That's not right. the practice, okay? That's right. not hoping right. for getting rid of this. It's doing it right now. In fact, this may be the issue is the key to this is attitude. Because right now you still have the attitude that this fear is bigger than you are. Uh -huh. It takes over the whole body, you said. Well, it, 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 it doesn't actually. When, if I allow it to take the whole body, then it's okay because it's seen clearly and then it can transform. But if it's You know, the worst thing is when there's dynamic of, of let's say, three different emotions and they, they hold each other like like block, like someone said, it's like at the same time pushing brake and the uh, and and the gas, right? It's not it's 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 like being frozen in this uh, clinch of uh, let's say freeze and Can fear. You right? Can you see that too? Very rarely. It's uh, it's All right. it, when you can see that then mm -hmm. you can put a stop to it too. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that these if exercises... You have the right attitude. And right. the attitude that we need to develop is, is that you can come out of that three-way block. You can come out of your fear. And mm -hmm. you can take control. And the secret is, aha, I see you. In other words, you are not the anger. I see you, anger. That means that you're not angry. When you say, I see you anxiety, or I see you fear, that means now at that point, we're not the fear. I'm waking up. I'm actually waking up and saying, I am not that fear. Before, when we're in the fear, we are the fear. It's got us. It's in control. But when we wake up to it, we can change our style. We've got a new attitude. Uh -huh. The attitude is, though, you don't got me. I am not 
the anger, or I am not the fear, or I am not the anxiety. Hmm. But the even anxiety and me are separate. You, you're not listening. You're getting questions going. Okay. Take this in. This is important stuff. You are not your emotions or feelings. You are only when you're asleep to them and giving them power. But in, in your conversation with Julian, I think you said that, yes, there's a, like enough. Well, there's a one level of sati to recognize there's a funk, but also there's more sati sometimes and necessary more, more waking up to really see the separate, to really, you know, see it, see it, to have a really, right. Exactly. You got to really wake up. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. You really wake up to see that fear is, in fact, the suffering of your life. Mm -hmm. And you say, right now, I don't have to do that. I, I can see it now. And so, so there's maybe one more step. Maybe this is deep breathing. Maybe there's, it requires continuity of sati, right? But when I am... No more steps. Here's what's missing. Okay. What's missing is your inspiration, mm. the insight. You have surface level knowledge of this, but yeah. when we when we can work together so that you can get really inspired that yes, I can see this. Yes. Just like I'm gonna go look for it and when I find fear, I'm gonna throw it out. Okay. The inspiration to do it or yeah. uh, the right attitude. This is what we need. That's the key ingredient that's missing. Right now you still have, well, I'm not sure I can do it yet. Well, I, I'm just telling you what's been happening for like two weeks and basically five years, right? So, so I'm just being pra pra practical, right? Well, let's start at an easy level because we want to give you confidence to build up, okay? Normally what happens, that's going to be a little bit difficult because by the time you do the waking up, you're probably pretty well into it. All right, so we need to work on waking up sooner and sooner. Hmm. Okay, to start paying close attention to what's going on. So if you can wake up quickly and say, aha, I see you before it's actually got you by the throat is one of the points so that you can begin to get confidence that you can, in fact, deal with this. Once it's got you by the throat, you're already a victim. Yeah need to learn to catch this quickly so that we can, in fact, understand that, yes, I can breathe this out. So this is why it's in, in, it's in order. And perhaps maybe what we can say is because you can feel it, that this seems to be the big thing that needs to be done. But perhaps we need to work on some skill development first. All right, so the way to look at that is, is that if you can't control your breathing, then you can't control your mind and the mind's thinking. And if you can't control the mind and the mind's thinking, then you can't control the feelings. The feelings are deep and difficult to control. Hmm. So we need to, to, to get the skill so that you have the power to say, yeah, I can do that. I have just gotten to first base. I have just gotten to second base. Okay, mm. I know now that I can get to third place. But yeah. right now you're standing and saying, how do I get to third base? And you haven't gotten to first or second base yet. 
And so maybe that's what we need to do is to back up for you so that you can get the confidence with the little things so that you can deal with the big things. Because you're going right after the biggest one of all, right from the very get-go. Why? Because it's got, it's, there it is. That's why. <laughs> and so let's put the working with fear directly aside and start working with making sure that every breath is a long breath. And even if there's some tension there, just let that tension be. But continue to do the long breath, noting the tension, but not really yet wanting to, to change it. Just, just kind of note that it's there. And but also note that it's not going to interfere with your breathing and make you start breathing shallow again. That's the only point. Is learning to control the breath so that we can get a good flow of air in and out. The next part then would be to make sure that the mind has wholesome thoughts. Thoughts of, of uh, um, fear, not necessarily thoughts of fearlessness, but certainly not thoughts of harming someone. Not having thoughts of uh, getting even or thoughts of wanting things, which would be, in fact, the hindrances. And so mm -hmm. what we would do is work merely on pushing the hindrances out and then work on having only wholesome thoughts. The wholesome thought would be, this is nice. This is a good point. I'm glad that I got the mind in the hindrances and throw the hindrances out. And so you start having good thoughts. Working with good thoughts to try to actually talk yourself into feeling good. Because you talk yourself into feeling bad. Oh, yeah. When you're a kid. So now we're going to start talking ourselves into feeling good, but we can't talk ourselves into feeling good unless we can learn to control what we're saying to ourselves. Yeah, this is where it gets really similar to this avoidance that I've been doing. Like, uh, you know, I know I have something important to do, and instead of doing this, I cheer myself up, you know, by finding some joyful thing to do, which actually is escape, right? So, and, and this is... this, this It's not is... escape, mm. or it is. It depends upon whether you are saying escape is a bad thing. Or a good thing. I would claim that for any prisoner who can escape from prison, that escape is a good thing for him, but the authorities don't like it so much. I agree, but you, you mentioned before, right, that the constant avoiding itself is kind of like a, like a, I mean, I would say it's like a prison for me. For me, the prison is act of, like, these mental barriers and uh making barriers actively uh against uh, anything that i'm concerned with right so which actually creates tension and makes my mind busy right and confines okay. the space well let's 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 go back to the beginning again mm -hmm. because now you're bringing big barriers and you're using your hands to show me how big and heavy and powerful and important these barriers are <laughs> And let's go back to just thought, to where you can begin to learn to control what you're thinking. 
An example of that is don't think about barriers. Don't allow yourself to see barriers. See yourself as free this moment. Not next week or not completely because I'm free now, but that I'm free right now. This is the moment that we want to practice in and get the results of is what we're feeling right this very moment. Once we learn to feel good in this very moment, now mm. we've got the basis of a new habit to start, to replace the old bad habits. But we've yes. got to have a, a, a starting point, and that starting point is, and then the rest of the journey, by the way, is with right attitude. But we have to have the seed of the right attitude, a little bit of success. And so your little bit of success is only getting the hindrances out right now and getting yourself into, I can think, wholesome thoughts. Yeah, this, this mention about this very moment was one of the things that you said that was like really helpful, even though it sounds trivial, right? But it, there's a difference, I think. So, you know, one of my escaping patterns would be to grab my uh, smartphone and like watch a YouTube video. So this is what I'm concerned about, like mistaking these two things. Right. But like this very moment, like this, um, like this fear, this anxious thought. Right. Rather than escaping into a new moment. Uh, I don't know whether it, it, it makes you, sense. Right. OK, but I understand what you're saying right now. You don't have to figure everything out mm -hmm. before you start. You don't have to figure everything out before you start. You only have to look as far as where the next step is. Okay, you really don't. You don't have to solve these really great big issues. These boundaries and these feelings of fear and all of that are really big stuff. And they feel overwhelming. So let's go do something that's underwhelming. Something that we can do. And get some good advice from, okay? And so now the whole point then is can you learn to control your breath so that you can take in a deep, long in-breath and take yeah. a deep, long out-breath? That should be fairly easy to do. We don't have to make that hard. It's actually not much of a skill. What's the skill is to remember to do it. That's the skill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And so now if we could control just the breathing, then we can learn to control the mind in the sense of thinking about the breathing as opposed to letting our mind wander away into all of our sorrows and pity parties and uh, fears and futures. But just think about the breathing. Just think about being here now. Think about that. Actually, this is quite nice. Just to sit here and relax without a care in the world. No place to go and nothing to do and everything right now is just fine. Yeah, I mean, for me, like focusing on breathing is one of the most stressful things. And uh, <laughs> and well, why are you adding stress into it intentionally yeah. when you could add relaxation into it? Because see, well, you're adding stress to it because you expect some results. You expect something out of it. You got to do it right. Yeah. Okay, that's wrong. <laughs> the right yeah. way to do it is to enjoy it. Yeah, so what helps is just like interest in curiosity, just to like be interested how what's going on, right? Uh, 
because just relaxing already forces me to, you know, I have to relax, right? Uh, sometimes yeah, interest you know, helps. You must, right. When I say relax, instead of saying, okay, you'll say, all right, I'm going to relax. I must yeah. relax. <laughs> and sometimes it's uh, noticing that I'm, my mind is adding like a mental sound to the breath so that I can again be lost in the mental uh uh, okay. sense, right? So when you catch yourself doing that, say, aha, yeah. never mind, let's come yeah. back and just watch the breath rather than yeah. watch ourselves. Okay, that's the way to go. This is what takes sati over and over and over again. Just keep the breath going and having wholesome thoughts about it. And be on guard so that when unwholesome thoughts come up, you can stop those. Because if, and here's the real key to it. This is an important point. You can say that wholesome thoughts will help you maintain your deep breathing. And unwholesome thoughts will uh, either drive your attention away from the breathing or start thinking about the breathing in such a way so that it is not beneficial anymore. Okay. In fact, what we do is the one the mind will just simply wander away from the breath, and now we wake up later with some sati to recognize that I'm not watching my breath, which indicates that the mind has wandered away from watching the breath because our intention was to watch the breath. When the mind wanders away from the breath, the first intention is to start slapping ourselves around again because we failed. But the important point is, is that, no, you woke up to it. Not that the mind had wandered away from the breath, but now, regardless of how long it took you to catch up to it, you have finally woken up. That's what we're looking for. That's the sweet spot, to wake up to see that the mind has wandered away from the breath. So that's a win. That's an accomplishment. The next thing that happens is, is that we look and see that, in fact, the mind has wandered away from the breath. The, wind, the mind is off the breath. That's a little bit of investigation. And we see that the mind has wandered away from the breath. And so we naturally, with right effort, put the mind back on the breath. But we gladden the mind and it says, wow, I'm glad I caught the mind wandering away from the breath. Always add a little bit of joy based upon the success and the satisfaction of a job well done. What is the job? Is to catch the mind when it wanders away from the breath so that we can bring it back to the breath. Would you suggest to do it also like in parallel to other activities or like even when talking or that's, that would be too much? We'll talk about that later. Okay. But yes, the answer to that is absolutely why? Because we're not going to develop a sitting meditation practice solely for the purpose of sitting on the floor day in and day out all day long. No, we're developing a sitting practice so that we can take the skills off of that cushion out into the world so that we can live our daily life the way that we want to it. Feeling good about how we're doing things. We don't have to put up with the comma of the past and the habits of the past. We can make a new me. Because you are not your personality. Yeah. Personality is not fixed. The, the self is not a fixed entity. In fact, it comes and goes. So mm -hmm. it's not even a permanent thing that can be malleable. It comes and goes. And the way for it to come is, I can do this. 
because that's not painful. Oh, me, I can't do this. That's painful. That's the real self. But the self who says, I can do this, that's a much healthier self. Um, what would you say? Because I'm, I'm kind of sometimes I'm, I'm playing dumb because because actually I these improvements happen. So so something that you the things that you mentioned about being your own authority and that the hindrances actually come from the outside and bringing this kind of little rebellious kid inside. Actually, it happens. So so there's some some improvement. By the way, the, the rebelliousness, there's some some quality of anger to it. So um, I don't know what would you say about it, right? This, uh, you know, this, uh, I can do it for my own, uh, but there is some anger, right? Like like rebellion, right? Is it is it like good enough for, for Rebellion starters, against what? Rebellion against what? Against being victim of of something that actually is not there anymore, rebellions against expectations, but there's also rebellion against actual people that are in my head that I portray as, you know, as the superego, as the outside world. All right. When you're thinking of being rebelling against those people, is that a pleasant feeling or an unpleasant feeling? <sighs> well, I mean, it's better than being in the freeze mode for sure, right? So it's a, it's an improvement. Um, it's an improvement over what? Over being in the freeze, in the in the fear, in and uh, not having any, um, you know, any. Uh, okay, I can I can see that that would being frozen would be a deeper level of dukkha. Right. Right. But then being in a, in the mode of rebellion, which is actually not friendly. You're wanting to be an enemy. You're wanting to have the the arousal for a fight. And yeah. that also is dukkha. Yeah. Right? You're unsatisfied. That's the whole point of the word of dukkha. Rebelling means we're rebelling against something. What are we mm. rebelling against? Always we're rebelling against the fact that we're dissatisfied. Right. So the right way of being to rebel against being sat, uh, dissatisfied is by becoming satisfied. That's the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, when I have more sati, then I can feel that these people suffer just as much as I do. And, and, and these expectations actually are not even these people, right? I actually make like much worse you version of these people. You make that stuff up. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, sometimes. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. Like the true rebellion uh, is, is actually being satisfied. Uh, true, like you turn. Right. I like that so much. Right. That's the real rebellion. And I'm yeah. not against that kind of rebellion at all. <laughs> yeah. Because that's actually satisfying. Hmm. Uh, so we we are over. Yeah. So basically, what we're saying is, is that there's a distinction in mind between wrongdoing gives punishment rather than wrongdoing gives rehabilitation. So in this regard, when you're rebelling against wrongdoing, in this case, we're uh, rebelling against the dissatisfaction by becoming satisfied. Hmm. But the other kind of rebellion yeah. is taking us into uh, not liking. And so always this practice that we have has the quality of let's get ourselves, let's get the mind into a good state. But there are some, 
I remember like reading like when Jack Cornfield was a monk, he he had a such a burst of anger that he was throwing stones and he, he couldn't help about it. And I sometimes when I'm in the, in the freeze state and I bring up more sati, there's the sudden like ah, like fear slash anger, and I just feel this okay, internal. Okay, now here's right. the point. Here's okay. the point. Can you see that? Can you wake up yeah. to that? Yeah, if I mean, later, if they look at what I'm doing, yeah, but uh, it feels the anguish that I'm putting into this, and I don't have to. I can take a deep sigh and relax. But it feels like uh, even acknowledging this, this, this explosion but of not anger. Not every time you sit down, you're talking about great big events that happen on occasion. You're trying to solve really big problems, and mm. you don't have the skills to do that. Right. The skill because to in, do that would be the yeah. skill again would be just merely to wake up, look at what you're doing, recognize that as suffering, and say, "Well, I'm glad I don't have to do that." Mm -hmm. But you don't have the skills yet to do it with the really big stuff. So let's do it with the little things like thought. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying. That. Yeah, I yeah that that makes sense. So 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 one, one last question because we are over time. Uh, I actually what's oh, what all oh, time. Sorry. Over whose time? Uh, well, yours. I mean, it's who, like who the, five... the timer. I didn't know there was a timer. <laughs> okay. Okay. I appreciate it. So, Actually, um, the timer has to do with attention span. No, no. I, 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 I would love to to keep talking. It, it's just like my internal, like polite chai that I'm doing something wrong. Uh, we were crossing the time. This is more like this kind of attitude. Um, but actually, something that uh, I've been doing for a long time, and actually there is improvement in there, is uh, this all-around mindfulness of the mind and actually being aware of being aware. Would you say this is something I can okay. mix with? with, uh, with because That's normally... That's part of the investigation. Okay. That's part of it. Okay. The question is, how sharp are you? Hmm. Not just that you're sharp, but how sharp are you? How, what's the, what's the state of mind? So it's part of the investigation. Keep looking, keep investigating everything. All right. And one of the questions that you don't have to worry about yet is who's doing the investigation? Sure. Because that's the wrong kind of question to sure. ask. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found a hard way on, on my retreats when I was freaking out that there's no me and so on. I, I know that it's, it's, it's not through like thinking about it that you'll see it. But there is a you when you are you. The teaching is, is that you are not always you. Hmm. What, what, what do you mean? It's not permanent. That's oh, what right. we're talking about. Right. It's not a yeah. soul. Yeah. The but it's malleable. But there's the a wholesome is, me. You can change. Right. Yeah. It's got a yeah. wholesome aspect of it if you right. allow that. But yeah. a lot of students will go around going crazy about, is there a me or not? And who's asking the question? I've seen questions like that on Reddit. And I always howl with laughter when I see the people getting confused like that. Yeah. And the reason for it is because of a bad translation. A much better translation for anatta would be uh, soulless. Hmm. So, yeah. That there's no real soul there. What's a soul? That's a permanent thing that is so strong yeah. it survives death. And mm. it is permanent 
in the sense that it doesn't change. Therefore, it has original sin built into it and all of that kind of stuff so -hmm. that you cannot save yourself from your sins. You need a savior. Mm -hmm. Come join our religion and pay dues and we'll save you. But wait a minute. We, you have to wait until you're dead before you get saved. Yeah, but okay, Buddha does also had yeah. So, Buddha yeah. also had uh, good things to say about Christianity, right? When he pointed about the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and bad, right? That this is also like the same metaphor, and you can you can look there. Okay, that's of, the judgmental mind. In fact, I just told a student about that earlier today. Oh, uh, gosh, right. Okay. Yes, that's one of Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa's things, but we're talking about in the sense of what is a soul or a self. Sure, sure, yeah. And yeah. that in that uh, uh, reference of uh, it's that when we eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, what that means is we've suffered the results of, because fruit here means a result, the result of our previous making distinctions between what is good and what is bad. Hmm indiscriminately and when we do that the paradise that we're in is getting destroyed <laughs> huh yeah like in each moment right we're mm-hmm. getting evicted from the paradise exactly because and who's doing the eviction it's not that we're evicting from paradise it's that we're rejecting a part of paradise hmm. we part the part we don't like So back go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 I just want to get back to this more practical thing because I usually like inclined to do like this talk about more theoretical stuff. So well, that's when one I, of the things in it, don't don't criticize yourself. Yeah, that's yeah. what the story of Adam and Eve is. is stop criticizing yourself. You're yeah. okay. You're already good to go. You got everything you need. So this is this is where I started to appreciate this practice of st- first being aware of some sense objects and then being aware of the awareness itself because it's so subtle and it's it's it allows me to be satisfied with with what I'm doing because it's so little it's just like this little spark if I when I learn to recognize the awareness it's just a little spark there and I can see wow it's good enough even if I'm doing stuff, my mind is doing stuff well, that I would normally criticize myself, right? Get in that. Okay, now you found a way in. Great. Finally, you found a way in. Yes, mm. do that. Become satisfied with that. Yeah. Keep looking for that and keep becoming satisfied. That's what you need to practice yeah. is the satisfaction, which is sukha. Mm. Because you have been practicing being dissatisfied. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so now it's time to practice being satisfied. Yeah, so I and I also noticed that even when I when my mind thinks, okay, you have to do breath meditation, even the way I move my attention towards the breath is violent versus like being interested in the breath and seeing whether the, the attention will move there. Does it make sense, right? Uh, it's like because this is what I learned, I think, when I was a kid, like forcing myself to do what others expect of me, even though it was against my what my body wanted at one point, right? So 
the forcefulness okay. of the attention is, itself. Okay, so this is something also that you can start to become aware of, start because mm. you, you're already aware of it by telling me a story about it. So yeah. now the job is to become aware of it right when you're pushing yourself. So as you're taking that deep breath, notice, are you forcing this? Right. Or are you allowing something really nice and natural to happen? Right. Okay. So this is, okay, thank you. Natural. So I wanted to ask you about it because you, you said we should control the breath, right? And, you know, prefrontal cortex and so on. To on the other hand... Breath because the other, well, otherwise, the normal breath that we have is not a natural breath. It is okay. a breath of fear and freezing. We yeah. want to return it to its natural state. Right, because it sometimes it feels like I am discovering the breath. I, I'm, I'm not doing it. I, I'm just allowing some deep desire to fulfill, right? Deeper satisfaction, right? And 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 then it doesn't feel like controlling, but I'm on guard of the breath being not controlled in the wrong way in a way right but I'm, I'm, I'm not like doing the nitpicking right and the like... right way to do it is do you enjoy it mm, okay okay asking yeah. yourself are you doing it right is not really enjoying it yeah 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 so this is yeah so this is control but not the control that most of us like think about control right well it is absolutely and it, we have to remain mindful to do it. Mindfulness on the long, deep in-breath and mindfulness on the long, deep out-breath. And this takes an effort. Yeah. But it's I, really worthwhile because you're breathing, you're learning to breathe naturally. Later, I, you start to breathe more naturally automatically because you're developing a new habit. Yeah. Well, currently, my, my, my habit is even that mindfulness itself is a, like hating myself right so being like controlling myself right so i even have these kind of associations because of the you know practicing this, this satisfaction as you as you said right mm -hmm. so, so so mindfulness satisfaction, yeah. not making yourself be satisfied but allow yourself to be satisfied because you're not making yourself do anything anymore so mm -hmm. start to watch for that control that you have on yourself because when we're on, when i use the word control for the breath I'm just talking about mindfully watching it and slowing it down intentionally. But mm. the other kind of control that you're talking about, we can yeah. use the word force because it does have an authoritarian aspect to it. Yeah, yeah. That you got from childhood. That's yeah. part of your childhood trauma is being hard. Now, because someone was hard on you when you were a child, and now you're hard on you and the whole world as mm. a result because that's the habit. Yeah, I don't know, uh, like a better way, right? Yeah, thank you. And I, I, yeah, I, I feel like I need to connect these different, like small nuggets of wisdom I have, because I certainly have. But each time I, you know, talk to a new teacher, I, I kind of throw away all the stuff that I learned because, because of the fragmentation and also this kind of self-aversion. Uh, it's harder for me to also recognize the, the wisdom that I do have, right? Uh, and also what you said, that I don't remember even the good moments. I, I remember the, the failures, right? Even in meditation, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. So begin to remember the successes and begin to mount them up. Little successes. The little yeah. success of remembering. Oh, I wasn't watching my breath. Let me start watching it again. That's a success. 
Yeah, that's a success. Just start, start having wholesome thoughts and, un, and throw out the unwholesome thoughts. That's a success. But your point was to, to observe the observer, and you really liked doing that. So now you can feel satisfied that you can observe the observer, which is the same thing as observing the hindrances, except now you've got something better to observe. You, you know why it's 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 good for me I think because it's so it's such a little it's so little of doing there because it requires very l like low amount of effort and I can't but it satisfies the doer in me right because I have to give, give something for and he can't believe that it's so little to do and it's so little to do that then there are these releases because I stopped doing the other thing right so mm -hmm. Right, so so he's just satisfied yeah. with with knowing the knower, and and then like by itself, uh, there are these different kind of releases. I feel sadness. I feel different hidden emotions, uh, but in a good way. Right? Like like I'm reconnected. Yes, with and something, then right? you can remember and remind yourself. I don't have to go through this litany of bad feelings. I can sit yeah. here and be satisfied. Yeah, because I already have something to do that requires very, very little effort, right? Just knowing that the knowingness is there, right? Uh huh. And that you can be, think the thoughts that you want to think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that and I guess the is an interesting point. Be beware that you know that you can think the thoughts that are wholesome. Mm. You don't have to think about thoughts that bring on anxiety and tension, like work or assignments or future things to do mm -hmm. but stay out of the future completely and stay only in the present moment because the present moment is quite nice so would you say that this is the order the the in such case the thoughts would be first and then the breath would be because breath is kind of like a bodily fabrication right versus the the uh the kind of mental fabrication so it doesn't make sense for me to build this kind of satisfaction and then go to for the breath because sometimes i i know the knowingness and i'm kind of satisfied inside but still i see i see that the breath is very very subtle or still frozen and i have to go longer to have this kind of uh releases that leads to really uh deepening of the breath like automatically uh yeah, I will play with good. this. I, I will see. Good. Yeah. Great. That's a good point to do. Play with this stuff. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. This is yeah. not a major work to do. This is major enjoyment. Playtime. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Okay. There's nothing more to say, I think. <laughs> <for me. laughs> All right. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Okay. Practice, okay. Practice and enjoy. And then yeah, I will. Tell me that you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully I will soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye.